All right. Tonight, we're going to continue on the theme of the high priest, the type that, that Aaron is, as a, as a type of Christ. And before we do that, before we get into it again in a very specific way, we want to see uh, some amazing things at first. So what I'm going to read is, I'm going to be reading from, from uh, Exodus 27. Exodus 27. And, and verse 20. And this this was the necessary thing. This was the first thing. Even before we went in, uh, the Bible goes into in Exodus 28 and 29, where it goes into Aaron, who he was as a type, the equipment that he wore and what it represented. There was something first that was that had to be done first. And this is what we're going to see in Exodus 27 and verse 20. And it says, You will command the children of Israel that they bring pure oil, olive beaten for the light, to cause the lamp to ascend up and to burn always. And that's what it says in the Hebrew. And we know the type here. The type here, the purity of Christ and as an olive, as he was crushed and beaten, uh, what came out of him was light. And what is it for? It says, to cause the lamp, notice that, to cause the lamp to burn always. And I want, you to, want us, God would have us to focus on that word, of course, lamp, in conjunction with the pure olive oil that was beaten for the light. And when we see that, this is what some of the scriptures that will go into so we can understand what this is saying right here. So again, this was something that had to be first before even going into the type of Aaron, the high priest. Okay, I'm going to read from Job 29 and verse 3. And Job 29 and verse 3, this is what it says. Job 29, verse 3, it says this, when his lamp, some translations say candle, the, the literal rendering is lamp. When his lamp shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness. So keep that scripture in mind, Job 29 and verse 3. And then I'm going to read, of course, there's Psalm 36, verse 9. It says, With you, O God, is the fountain of life. We know that's Christ. And then it says, In your light, we will see light. And then also, we're going to read from Proverbs 20 and verse 27. It says this, The spirit of man, again, is the lamp of the Lord. The lamp of the Lord. Candle, it says in some translations. Again, the proper word is lamp. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's the most inward parts, and that really has to do with the mind, and, and, and the belly is a metonym for also emotions, too. But again, it's mind and emotions, the lamp. So the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's what that says. And then we can see in, in this scripture, we want to turn and read, we'll read from Isaiah 50. And these were the scriptures that God put on my heart again when I read Exodus 27 and verse 20. So here we have it here in Isaiah 50. Okay, and then look at verse 10. Verse 10, it says, Who is among you that reverences the Lord? that obeys the voice of his servant. We know that's Christ, his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Again, that's pointing to Christ. Okay, And then we even see here in the sacrifice, we see in Leviticus, the sixth chapter, and we see in verses 12 and 13, and I'll read those. It says this, And the fire upon the altar 
will be burning in it. It will not be put out. And the priest will burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he will burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire will ever be burning upon the altar. It will never go out. And so when we look at these types, and when we go, even before we go into, again, the type that Aaron was, we can see, and, and what he was, was he would mediate. He would go between God and the people of Israel as a type. That's what Christ is and what he does for us. Now, in Job, in the midst of his trial, in Job 9, verse 3, 33, said, I wish there was a daysman, an umpire, a go-between, one, could, that, one could, that could touch God and one that could touch me. I need a mediator, uh, uh, someone who's, who's, who understands and knows God and someone who understands and knows humanity. And of course, that was and is Jesus Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, there's one mediator, only one, between God and men. It is the man Christ Jesus. So even in the type, when we look, when we look about the priesthood, remember, and we'll get into this in the future, but there are there are pre, there's a priest, there are priests, and then there's the great high priest, of course, who is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But when it's first mentioned about priesthood, we see it in Genesis 14, verse 18, and it goes into Melchizedek. He, he was a king, and listen, we'll read that just so we can get a little understanding on it. And again, all these types, they're pointing and bringing out the person of Christ and his work that he accomplished. So we understand that and we look back and understand in detail about the person and about the work of Jesus Christ. So we see here in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18, this is what it says, and again, I'll read that. In Genesis 14, verse 18, it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of Salem, right, Jerusalem, city of peace. Salem speaks of peace. King of Salem brought forth bread and wine. He's the type, right? What did he bring forth? Brought bread and wine. Is Jesus Christ the bread of life? We see that in John, the sixth chapter. You can start right at verse 30 and go right down to verse 58, where he talks about he talks about himself as the bread of life that came down. And wine, that speaks of making heart, uh, the heart of man clad. We see in his first a supernatural miracle, Christ, in John the second chapter, in those first eight verses, what did he do? He turned the water into what? Wine. There were six stone water pots. And in type, six is man's number. And he is... He is stone, <laughs> created from the dust, right? And what is he? He's water, but when Christ does something, what does he turn that water into? Wine. But first we need that water, and then he turns it into joy, wine. And our start, as it says in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 1, it says, better is the day of one's death than the day of one's birth, because we were all conceived in iniquity and in sin our mothers brought us forth, in Psalm 51, verse 5. But how much better when we get the water of the word that Christ is, and then as we grow, he turns everything into wine, this joy, so that our end eternal end is far, far greater than our beginning in time. And so we can see those all through the types here. So Melchizedek, it says, was what? He was the king, right, of Salem, which is peace, and in that he brought forth bread and wine. We know that in Ephesians 2.14, Christ is our peace. He's the bread of life. He's our life. That's why it says in Matthew 4.4 and Luke 4.4 in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, man will not live by bread alone. Bread alone speaks of the details of life. 
If we think that that's our, our life and everything about us is just that, the de details of life, that's, what are we living? Are we feeding on the life that Christ is? No, because it says man will not live, will, will, will not experience life on, on just details. He, just, he won't. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what we live on. Every word, every single thing about the person and the accomplishment of the work of Jesus Christ, we are to feed on and live by. We experience and we feed on the life that, that Christ is ours and that life that he is. So we can see that here even in the type, right? And then we see the beauty of that. And you can read, read uh, Genesis uh, 14, 18, Read that all the way down through to the end of the chapter. There's only 24 verses, and you'll get a beautiful understanding about God's proper order, too. But again, it says that here we have the type. That type that Melchizedek was, was of a better order than Aaron. Because in type, when it talks about Jesus in in the book of Hebrews, as we went into a little bit this morning, what it talks about is that Jesus is not a priest in, you know, in, as the antitype after the type that Melchizedek is. He, was, he, he had a better priesthood like Melchizedek's, which was better than Aaron's. Why? Why? Because Aaron had a start. He had to be appointed. He came from someone. But Melchizedek in type, was, there was no record of his, of his parentage, where he even came from in that sense. It's, and, and in that sense, it's pointing to Christ. He had no beginning. It's pointing to him. So in the type that Melchizedek is, Christ was the, even the better fulfillment of that. And that's why when you get into the book of Hebrews about priesthood and all those different things that it talks about, that the key word in, in the, in the uh, book of, of Hebrews is better. Christ is, as we, as we really concentrate tonight and really, really give our full attention to the Word of God. I mean, all of, all of us, as we look up and we concentrate on the Word of God, that's going to really help us and, and get our attention to actually where it should be so that we can receive. Because again, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the word that is being preached is not the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which works effectually in those that receive it. And that's even right now. That's why it's so necessary uh, to give our full attention and not to be distracted by a single thing so that we don't miss anything that God has for us in the beauty of his presence. So again, we're going to be brief tonight, so hang in there. We'll be out soon. <laughs> but again, we see how beautiful this was. We see how beautiful. Now, were there priests before, men that functioned as priests? Of course, yeah, yes, there were. And what does a priest do? He offers a sacrifice. Okay, and who do we see that in? We see that in many places. We see it in many different places in the Bible. We see, we see Abraham and Isaac. They're offering, right, sacrifices. And Jacob, again, Abel and Noah, they were functioning in that sense in priestly functions. And again, what a beautiful thing that was that God is teaching us and, and, and is what he's teaching us here tonight. Here it is. But what is, what is the thing that's connected with the law? Because these men, Aaron and Moses, they were under the law. That's what it says in the scriptures, that they were under the law. And that, that function that they were was evidently connected with the character of the law. Why? Because it was revealing the knowledge of sin. It was revealing the knowledge of sin. <laughs> that's what it was doing. Okay, now that's what their function was under the law. It was revealing that there's sin. And so that's what it was teaching, right? Again, that law was given 
And the reason why, again, because the Jews said in Exodus 19, verse 8, and 24, verse 3, tell us what to do, and we'll do it. Tell us what to do, and we'll do it. But why did God give the law? Well, in Romans chapter 7, verse 12, it says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Verse 13, Was then that which is good made death unto me? No, God forbid, but sin. Not sins, but sins, speaking of a nature, that it might appear what? Sin. That it really might be shown for what it is. Our nature. And that whole priesthood, that's what it was showing. Was sin working death in me by that which is good. That sin, by the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. So the, the, the commandment was holy and just and good. And the function of that priesthood was good in the order and the type that it was functioning in. Aaron, that was great. But what was it bringing out at that time? It was teaching sin. It was teaching the fact of sin in those Israelites. That's what it was teaching. And so what was it? It was the beginning of how many reiterated proofs of man's natural fallen inability to stand before God. He, he just couldn't do that. And so what did that bring out? It brought out his need of what? A mediator. A, a mediator. That's what it brought out. And so even in Job, in the, midst of his, of, in the midst of his trial, remember how we said in Job 9.33, he was crying out for a daysman. But look at what he also said in the 14th chapter of Job. Look at what he, what he said. He said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. <laughs> it has something to do with sin, right? He comes forth like a flower and is cut down. He flees also as a shadow and continues not. And do you open your eyes upon such a one and bring me into judgment with you? Look at what it says in verse 4. Who can bring a clean thing, a clean person, out of an unclean? Not one. Well, did he, was he functioning in a mediator? And his mediator. Verse 5, it says, seeing his days are determined. Notice that. Our days are determined. We don't know the number of them. We don't know how much time we have, but God does. And that's why uh, so many different scriptures. For instance, in Psalm 39, verse 4, it teaches us uh, to number our days because our life is like a hand width. And again, in, in Job 4, verse 14, our life is, I mean, in, in James 4, verse 14, our life is but a vapor. It's like a vapor. It appears for a while, and then it disappears. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with you, with God. Okay? You, has, you have appointed his bounds, and he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till he accomplish as a harling his day. Here's verse 7. But there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch will not cease. Of course, this again is, is teaching about Christ on the cross and how he was cut down in his prime, 33 and a half years of age. Verse 14 of chapter 14 in Job says, If a man die, will he live again? All the days of my appointed time Will I wait, look at what it says, till my change comes. Till my change comes. Again, this is all even before the law. All even before the, the Aaronic priesthood was brought out in type. But again, what was God showing all the way through from the garden where the fall was to all the way up to now? What is it that he's showing us? The need that we have of a mediator. We have a need. That's why it says in Philippians 4 and verse 19, my God will supply all your need. That need is who? Who's the fulfillment of that need? It's our mediator. It's Christ himself. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that is why in Philippians 4 and verse 13, we can do all things, 
all things through him, though, that loves us. It has to be through him. It has to be through him. So we have the need of a mediator. And so all those laws and all those sacrifices and all those types that had to do with Aaron and, his, and how he performed all those things as the type of a high priest, all those different functions were, were designed to fix the eye upon that need. <laughs> you see, and even today, all our circumstances, situations, and every single thing that we go through, God allows those things in our life. And that's why in first, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15, all things are for our sakes. All things are of God in 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And in Romans 8, verse 28, all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's why I can, in Philippians 4, 13, do all things through Christ because who is he? He is what? My need met fully. He not only met my need, he cleared his father, his justice, so that his love could flow freely through the power of the Holy Spirit after Christ was on the cross and rose. That love will be poured out upon us without measure in Romans 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5. What a beautiful verse that is. And so what do we see? What do we see? Everything about it is to fix our eye upon what? The, that need, the need that we all have, and upon him who's the only one who ever met it, met it and is the only one who ever meets it. That's why in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Lay aside every weight and the sin which will easily entangle you in the race, so that you can run with patience the race that's set before you. But to do so, you have to look away from all that would distract like even when we come tonight to hear the word, honestly, truthfully, we need to look away from anything or anyone that would distract us. And me, as I wait on the Holy Spirit to take the things of Christ through the word and give them to me, okay, I can become easily distracted just as much as you can be, seriously. So we all have that in common. We need to, honestly, that's the, the preparation. And preparation, even before we come to hear the word, we need to be prepared. We don't come to be prepared. We come prepared and, and disciplined and ready to hear the word, even when we're tired, even when we're upstairs laying down because we don't feel good at all and want to stay there. We trust God and come down because there's preparation. Even before... Maybe the bad day of the sick day, or not feeling good, or and uh, we had God's thoughts. And even though our emotions wouldn't be feeling so good, we would have the thought stored up in preparation for those times. And it's very, very necessary for us. So again, and we only say that because we love everyone and want everyone to receive what God has for them. And this is why. This is why God so needs to establish the order in us individually so that we function as one order when we come together. And so, again, he fixes the eye upon this need that we can't meet ourselves. And what does he do? Fixes it upon, upon Christ alone, who's the only one who can meet that need. He's the only one that can. So, again, in Hebrews 12, verse 1, look, uh, lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily entangle you. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us because we have to look away from all that would distract unto Jesus. We need to get our eye on him, our concentration. Remember, preparation precedes concentration. Preparation is part of discipline. And then we can concentrate. We'll be in a place to concentrate. Uh, for what God has for us, and that's fixing the eye on him only who can meet that need. And by the way, we need to do that because we don't even know what that need is a lot of times. We may think we do, but the word, the counsel of God, will actually put, its, put his loving finger on the area of conviction that, of course, needs to be met and met by him alone. So this is what Aaron was, but he was only a shadow. He was only a shadow. 
So the word priest here in the Hebrew, the word priest is kohen. It's K-O-H-E-N, kohen. And literally, it's derived literally from the Hebrew word kun, K-U-N. And you know what that has to do with? You know what the word that means? The significance of K-U-N, kun, is preparing. Are we priests in 1 Peter 2.9? Has he made us priests? You know what a priest does? He can go in for himself to the presence of God, but he can go in to, for others too. And then he can come out full in himself and full in whatever someone else may need that God directs him to. We're priests, see? But what is it about us that marks the fact that we are priests? Because we're prepared. We're prepared. We are prepared. And to mean, and it means in these cases, and we can get into the intransitive and transitive verbs and so forth because they're very necessary to understand the Bible in a very, very intimate and beautiful way. But intransitively, when this word is used in terms of preparation, it literally means to present oneself. So we become prepared intransitively by, by what? Presenting ourselves to who? Christ, putting our eye upon him. This thing's distracting me, this circumstance, this situation, this appointment, this bill, this desire, they're all put aside. They're distractions. We put our eye on Christ and we act as priests because intransitively we're presenting ourselves, And then we come out transitively, what? Prepared and fit. Not just for ourselves, but for others. But first and foremost, for his glory, my personal blessing first, intimately, and then the blessing of others. That's a joint in Hebrews 4, in Ephesians 4, verse 16, that has a supply. But we're going to see what that supply was. And we're going to wrap it up here very quickly. And again, remember what that is. That, that Hebrew word, for, for a priest is kohen, and it what? What does it mean? One who stands to represent another. Isn't that interesting? That was Christ first and foremost. One who would stand for another. Then we received him, and he did so many things, and one of them was made us to make us a priest. And in that sense, do we live a selfish life? No, Philippians 2.3, we esteem one another better than ourselves. Philippians 2.4, look not on your own things. We will look on our own things if we get distracted and not Christ. Look not on your own things, but on the things of others. Then verse 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Because in Philippians 2 verse 21, it says, it says in that, all seek their own and not the things of Christ. Christians, why? Distracted. Then your life becomes about you. Just even think about your, your schedule and my schedule. Just think about how much he was on our mind and how he was leading us, even in those details that we were involved in. And how he desires to have intimacy with us. If you think, and I think, we have a desire to be intimate with him. What must his desire to be? And furthermore, his loving desire awakens that loving desire in us first. <laughs> That's a priest. That's one who's being prepared. So it's the priest who, who represents another, and that's in the first case, intransitively. And then transitively, it's the priest who would be named from the preparing and presenting the sacrifice. What's that mean? I don't know, another believer has a need? Well, you, you what? You encourage them and you present to them what? The sacrifice of Christ. Basically, basically you help them through the Holy Spirit, taking the things of Christ, to get their mind off of themselves and get it fixed where it needs to be on Christ. Again, Hebrews 12, 2. But even before, and this is what we're going to get into, and this is why we, we were going to get into, again, in Exodus 20, 27 and verse 20, this, and that's why it's in that place where it is, 
even before chapter 28 and 29, the high priest and his functions and everything about what they mean in the type. Again, in Exodus 27, verse 20, and you will command the children of Israel that they bring you pure olive oil, beaten. Who is that pure olive oil in type that was beaten? We talked about it this morning, Christ. He, he was beaten. And you can see that in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, in those 12 verses. You can see it in Isaiah 50, verse 6. You can see it in Isaiah 52 and verse 14. And you can see what happened to him even prior to the cross as he was beaten. As he was beaten in Matthew, the 27th chapter, and in the other synoptics also brought out clearly in Mark and Luke. And again, just think about that. Just think about, about everything that he went through. And when he was beaten, what came out? Pure olive oil. You know, in the East, there was one thing that was extremely necessary for them in their diet, but not only in their skin because of where they lived, it was olive oil. You anointed people with olive oil. And olive oil, too, would keep, keep your skin so it wouldn't be affected and burnt up by the sun. And in that type, the sun speaks of trials that we go through. And then we have that beaten oil, that is Christ. And, and we have that holy oil, which is the type of the Holy Spirit, who takes the things of Christ in John 16, 13, and 14, and shows them unto us. But can he show them unto us if our eye is not fixed on him? And he's constantly bringing, bringing us back and constantly getting us refocused to have proper vision. When we have proper vision, we see his, him in all his glorious image. And then I see myself in him. And I see, what do I see in Deuteronomy 32, verse 10, in Psalm 17, verse 8, in Zechariah 2, verse 8, we see that we're the apple of his eye. You know, and again, we've talked about this before. When you look in a well-lit mirror and you look at your pupil, that little circle, you see the reflection of yourself there. That's, that is Job 36, verse 7. He never removes his eye from the righteous. You're right in his view. You and I, because we're in Christ. Why? Why? Why do we function as priests? Because he was beaten. And out of it just came, out of him just came this pure olive oil. But they also used it for what? What did they use it for? Light. They used it for light. To get away that darkness. And for us to have the light that Christ is, and remember in, in John 1 verse 5, the light shined into the darkness and the darkness did not overpower it. In John 1, 5, the message that we talk about in fellowship in 1 John chapter 1, and by the time you get to verse 5, is God is light, and in him is no darkness. God can be light to you and I, intimately and personally, because Christ was beaten. And all that came out was pure olive oil. And boy, do we have light. Even the Holy Spirit, who is the anointing in 1 John 2.20 and 1 John 2.27, is that anointing oil who takes the oil that Christ is and just anoints our life with it. So that the trials of life, the sun, when it beats down on us, it doesn't overwhelm us. So when we look at these types, that's first what had to be done first. What was first place before anyone could be a priest, before Christ could operate as priest in his humanity, what had to happen? He had to be beaten. And out came this purity. And in the first place, the first place that was put in the care of Aaron and those individuals was what? The principle of God's ways. What is God's ways? Well, when we talk about God's way, we see, first of all, in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4, it says his work is perfect and all his ways are just and right. It says the same thing. His way is complete, perfect, in 2 Samuel 22 and verse 31. It says the same thing in Psalm 18 verse 30. His way is complete. It's complete. 
all his ways, our fulfilled justice for us because Christ was, was beaten and outpoured this purity of this light in Psalm 18.30. Did you ever know? And that's why we teach that it never says that we're children of love. Never says that. We are loved, John 3.16. We are loved in 1 John 4, verse 10. And God is love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, all the way to 18. And we can love in 4.19 because he what? He first loved us. Something had to happen first. What was that principle? For us to operate in our individual priesthood as Christ, as our great high priest. He had to be beaten. And let me tell you, that's what he did for each of us. And out came the purity of a love life that when we function in it, nothing can interfere with it or distract it. It's pretty awesome when we think about it. It's just incredible. And that's why... God so wants us to concentrate because he just wants us to receive the deep, intimate concentration of his love. You know that there's certain substances that you can water them down and you can get them in their concentrated form and don't they do the best in these health issues, these different things? That's what God wants to do and he's doing with us even here tonight. But in the first place, what was it? That God's ways... God's ways. Who is God's way? In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. The way, no other way. The truth, no other truth. The life, there's no other life. I'm the way. Why? And when they said to him in John 14, 8, show us the Father. And Jesus said unto them in 14, 9, when you see me, the only way you can see my Father is through me. Why in John 10, 30, both I and the Father are what? One. We are one. Now, when it's not God's way, through that light, through that beaten oil that's ours in Christ, what do we have? We have, John, we have Proverbs 14, verse 12, and Proverbs 16, verse 25. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of that way is the way of what? Death, separation. Why? Functioning in darkness, Why? No light. No light. There's, you're not functioning in the Holy Spirit. There are not many different types of anointings, by the way. There's only one. It's God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay? He's not subject even to emotions. We can have good emotions. Those are based upon the person and work of Christ. But they're, again, they're not our, what we identify with. Okay? But the Holy Spirit anoints us in the sense that he takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us. He guides us into all truth. John 16, 13, and 14. He doesn't speak of himself. So as we wrap this up tonight, we see God's ways. We see God's ways. And what is, what is, what is God's way? Well, we said it. Okay, God is what? Light. God is light. God is light. Are we light now in Christ? In 1 John 1, 7. That's why it says in 1 John 1, 7, walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship one with another. And that blood that first saved us, we continually experience a continual cleansing of eternal life. It's ours. And again, that's not teaching conduct. Or behavior, it's teaching character. And we know when our behavior and character is wrong, when it's not equal to our character, that's unchangeable in who we are in Christ. So God is light, and that's the first thing. What do we see? Even in Genesis, what was the first thing that God said? Even before he created the sun and the moon and the stars, even before he created it, what did he say? And God said, let there be what? Hmm. Who is light? Who is the light that came out of who God is? It's Christ. That's why he said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. What is this world right now? It's darkness. I am the light of the world. He that walks after me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so God is love. We're not children of love, but we're children of light. And that light comes out 
deals with areas so that we can function in the love life that God is towards us. He's light. And so when that light, when God said, let there be light, there was darkness, wasn't there? He said, and basically the Hebrew says, light be, and it was. <laughs> I love the original languages. And, you know, because when we reread it in translation, and God said, let there be light. No, it's very simple. Light be, and it is. <laughs> That's the Hebrew. So there had been darkness there. In tremendous darkness. But there was a provision. Even in the type of the tabernacle, all through the wilderness. Remember what, and we'll get into these types too. Even the tabernacle, remember what it looked like. On the outside, it was just animal skins. On the inside, it was gloriously made and beautiful and precise. And that's a picture in John 1 and verse 14. And the word became flesh made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten, filled up with all that grace and truth is. Yes, animal skins, and when we see that, what do, what do we see that fulfillment of? Well, we see in Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, who has believed our report? Report there is the message, the teaching. Who's believed the teaching? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I mean, what does God not do outside of Christ? He's his arm, his action. So we use anthropomorphisms to ascribe human anatomy to understand how God operates. Like we use our arm to do certain things. And so who is the arm of the Lord revealed? He will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He was born out of a very dry ground, Israel, completely backslidden, wanting, you know, thinking they're doing God's service. Out of a dry ground, look at it, it says, he has no form nor comeliness. He was not a good-looking man. The type of the tabernacle on the outside was animal skins. Nothing special. He didn't stand out. But there is no beauty that we would desire him outwardly. But inwardly, the whole inside was lit up. <laughs> the whole inside of it was lit up. And that tabernacle was made so that there would be a provision for continual light. Continual light. Christ, who is he? He's the light of the world. Is he our light? Is he our life? And he is. And so, because of that, we can see tonight, we have this tremendous provision that we have in him. And what a provision it is in the word of God. We have, we have this continual light. We have this continual light through every single hour of darkness that we're in. We have continual light. Because he, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It was a triple salutation in Hebrews 13, verse 5. I will never, no, never, no, never in any way leave you nor forsake you. He said the same thing to Joshua. He said, tell that to the children of Israel. Moses is dead, my servant, but I'm not. <laughs> He's with me, and I'm still with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you in Joshua 1, 5. So in Hebrews 13, 5, since he'll never leave us nor forsake us, what should we be then? Content with such things as we have. We're to be content. As long as that light is shining, we'll be content in us inwardly. When it's not, we're not content. We won't be content. And so we'll wrap this up with this, this last scripture. So we see in Leviticus chapter 6, Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. 12 says, and the fire will be upon the altar. The altar here in type speaks of the cross. The altar. The fire was the purity of God's holiness as it consumed the sin that was on our pure Savior. <laughs> All it did, the cross did, was bring out the purity of Christ and still deal with our sins through his death. Baptism into his death and then we rose in resurrection life with him above everything. 
The fire upon the altar will be burning in it. It will not be put out. And the priest will burn wood on it every morning. You know what the wood speaks of? Every morning, what should we do with our humanity? Put it on a fire. Let whatever it is about the flesh life, whatever it is about bad thoughts, bad emotions that dictate and try to tell me who I am and what reality is. What do I do? And notice, and that's what we're doing here in the mornings, by the way. You see what it says? Huh? It's your what? The fire will ever be burning upon the altar. You're to lay the wood on it every morning. And lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And who's the burnt offering but Christ? The fact the burnt offering had to do between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son first. Right? So you see first place. Long before there's even a first mention, the law of first mention, there must be the law of first place. Because if that wasn't dealt with, would there be anything to mention? <laughs> and there wouldn't be, would there? Burn that wood every morning. Lay the burnt offering in order. Notice there's an order in everything that God does upon it. And he will burn thereof the fat of the peace offerings. Who's our peace? What gets in the way of our peace? What gets in the way of the light that, of who we are in our proper image? We haven't put the wood on the fire yet. We didn't do it early. We didn't start the day out that way. We just didn't. Other things got in the way. Distraction. Maybe it wasn't preparation the night before. Whatever it was, whatever it was, verse 13, <clears throat> the fire will ever be burning upon the altar. It will never go out. And that, you know what that's a type of? Even when we get into heaven, and I will read this last verse and then we're done. Because I don't have much of a voice left anyway. <laughs> But in Revelations, the fifth chapter, this is what it says. Revelations chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in the earth. That's why yeah, you, don't, you don't trust in a man's gift. You trust in Christ as he flows through that gift. You don't make the man more than Christ. Your head and my head is Christ. No man in heaven nor in the earth, neither under the earth, even those in hell, was able to open the book, neither to even look thereon. Of course, because it was so holy. And, and I, John, right, I wept because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, not even to look upon it. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, stop weeping. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four creatures, those were, those were four cherubims, angels, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had just been freshly slain. What he accomplished on the cross, the fire in that sense will never go out for all eternity of what he accomplished to his father and for us. And that's why we, and then we'll see the marks. See, they'll never go away because they were the marks of love. in the two hands, the wrist really, not in the hands, by the way. They were here in between those two bones. And then his feet pierced. We see that in, Revel in Psalm 22, verse 16. It says, they pierced my feet. God, it's a picture of the cross in Psalm 22. And he'll have those marks. But they're the marks of a love life that'll shine out in a light for all eternity. And when I say that light will shine for all eternity, look what it says here in Revelations 21 and verse 23. It says, And the city had no need of the sun, 
neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, lit it up. That's Christ. And the lamb is the light thereof. Sacrificial. There would be no such thing as light for mankind outside of a sacrificial lamb who was like an olive that was crushed. And out of it came the purity of life. And we use that to light up our way like they did in the old covenant, the old days for light. And, And verse 24, the nations of them which are saved will walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it will not be shut at all by day, for there will be no night there. <laughs> there will be no absence. His absence will be with him face to face in First Corinthians thirteen twelve. And all those that have departed the night season where we are, our loved ones that are born again, they're all around the throne. We see that in Revelations 5, 9 through 12. I thought of a bunch of people that have loved ones there. I did. I thought of you and your, your grandma that you loved so much and your grandfather. I thought of you, my wife, Jean, with, with her parents there and loved ones, different ones, each of us. I thought of you and your dad. be a glorious meeting. <laughs> no more night, no, no more absence. In all of us, in one sense. And I think this was worth it, me coming down for this, even when I I, I certainly didn't feel like it. Nothing emotionally told me that I felt like doing this. As a matter of fact, I was up there laying down. You're going to have to edit all this, sorry. Um, I was up there laying down, and I just didn't even feel like I could could come down. It's just one of those days, and you know. And I, I said, no, Lord. I have to have it. I have to have it. There'll be no more night because he's our light. So, Father, thank you for this precious word and for your preciousness to each of us. And boy, as I thought, of the multitudes of our loved ones, they're in the light where there's no night. It's only a temporary separation from all our loved ones. And there was a song that was someone sung for me at, a, at the deepest time in my life. And it was sung by, uh, what was his name? David something or other, I forget his last name. He sings with the, with, with the, with the group. And the song was No More Night. And boy, what a beautiful song that is. And Father, we thank you that we can sing now. You're training us to be choir members in the light of your presence in the night of your absence. And you'll give us songs in the night in Job 35, verse 10. And in Psalm 77, verse 6, you give us these songs because you're training us to sing in the light because the light is in us and is leading us to that light, to Christ with all our loved ones. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.